Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to the strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today, we will talk about drug dosage form trends. I'm Felicity Thomas, European Editor for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International. And I will be the moderator for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. For this episode, I have spoken to a panel of industry experts on various trends and developments that are impacting drug dosage forms. The esteemed panel of experts joining me for this discussion are Anita Solanke, Lead White Papers, and Dr. Yandev Bhatt, Vice President and Head, who both work in formulation R&D for Pharma and Nutra at ACG Group. Cornell Stamaran, who is the Vice President of Strategy and Government Affairs and the founder and co-chair of the Catalan Supply Drug Delivery Institute. Dr. Ali Rajabi Siabumi, who is the Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at Calicon Inc. Brad Gold, who is the Vice President of Pharmaceutical Development at Metrics Contract Services. Hans Christian Mahler, who is the Chief Enablement Officer, CEO at 1023 Health and Swiss Philon. And Anil Kane, who is the Global Head of Technical and Scientific Affairs, Pharma Services for Thermo Fisher Scientific. First of all, the panel will be delving into the various trends that have significantly impacted drug dosage forms over recent years. And kicking off the discussion on trends will be Cornell, who highlights some of the overarching trends that have been witnessed in the industry recently and the drivers for these trends. Uh, Well, I think we've seen a continuing increase in uh, drug formulation complexity. That's really been driven by strong pipeline growth of newer modalities and mechanisms in particular, as well as the need for targeted delivery. Uh, Bioavailability challenge compounds continue to to make up a a significant portion of the smaller molecule space. Oral dose forms continue to be preferred for innovator small molecule drugs, used still in about 70% of launches over the last five years. For biologics, infusion delivery is growing strongly, uh, typically using vials across both both formats, inject, uh, injectable launches, use of pre-filled syringes, and auto-injectors continues to increase. Finally, I would say there's a growing focus on dose forms most appropriate for special populations like pediatric and geriatric patients. And that's driven in part by increased regulator expectations especially on the pediatric side. Next up, Hans Christian weighs in with his thoughts on the biggest trends for drug dosage forms, such as the broadening complexity of therapeutic modalities. So firstly, there is an ever increasing diversity and the complexity of of novel um, therapeutic modalities and active pharmaceutical ingredients. Uh, We see uh, a variety of biologics, cell therapy, gene therapy, uh, just as some example, obviously an increase in uh, oligonucleotides, RNA, and the like. 
And all these uh, drugs or therapeutic modalities need to be developed into a, a sterile uh, drug product formulation, and they need to be administered by, by injection or infusion to uh, achieve efficiency or efficacy in the, in the patient. Um, however, um, still assuring, ensuring patient safety. In addition, there's an ever-increasing trend for easier to administer uh, medicines. So uh, we see connected devices or devices in general, um, hence drug device combination products, such as auto injectors, on-body injectors um, and, and the like, that will impact um, both you know, patients from a, from a compliance standpoint, but also from a, you know, a drug administration convenience standpoint, hence also have quite an important role in ensuring overall therapy success. Anita and Yandev will now provide their insights on the drug dosage form trends they have experienced, including the impact of changing industry dynamics. You know, uh, ever-changing industry dynamics in recent years have uh, had a considerable impact on the development and use of dosage form for drug delivery. So uh, one such change has been improvement uh, of existing products which can offer significant advantages uh, such as better therapeutic efficacy uh, while at the same time minimizing development expenses and timelines. So that plays an important role on economics as well. Uh, the drug dosage form portfolio also has increased with this trend. Uh, research and development is being done on a large and more complex entities and also on biologics uh, in order to overcome a you know, lot of challenges such as poorly soluble drugs and improving the bioavailability as well. Uh, low solubility molecules have been a major challenge uh, you know when we look at the development of uh, any la large molecules uh, in the pharmaceutical field so however on uh, trend if i have to look at uh, which has remained stable throughout the last few years is solid oral dosage form uh, this dosage form uh, is always in the top segment of charts Primarily, you know, because of uh, its presence, uh, you know, a great opportunity to grow, a uh, lot of, you know, uh, opportunities, a uh, lot of options which are available while being at the same time convenient in all key aspects of dosage form development, uh, be it manufacturing and uh, of oral dosage form. There is continuous competition and research in this area of pharmaceutical dosage form to be ahead of the race uh, and also to reach a greater segment of population. Uh, particularly, uh, capsules have multitude of benefits in terms of uh, easier development and administration. Uh, the significant demand we are seeing right now creates room for more innovation across all these product lines. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that on Dr. Bhatt. Uh, you know, for solid oral dosage forms, I feel like it has been uh, since so many years and it will continue to grow in the coming years as well. Oral solid dosage forms are still a mainstay for Enil, although large molecules are creating an increase in demand for sterile injectable forms. Here is Anil to explain further. Oral solid dosage forms, uh, such as tablets and capsules, continue to be popular dosage forms in the healthcare se sector, being the preferred uh, 
and patient-friendly dosage forms. However, we have seen in the last uh, several years, uh, the number of biologics in large molecules uh, are growing. And this is also seen in the increase in demand for sterile injectable dosage forms. Small molecules traditionally have been formulated as oral solid dose forms or as sterile injectables based on the site of absorption, efficacy, uh, and other criteria. However, large molecules are typically formulated as injectables due to inherent stability and inactivation of the group of molecules through oral delivery. In the year 2021, a big trend was the uh, uh, vaccines, the rapid launch of numerous COVID-19 vaccines making their way from the bench to billions of patients around the world impacted the entire industry. A direct impact of the pandemic uh, was the increase in demand for sterile injectable dosage forms for vaccines in vials in uh, single or multi-dose, mostly multi-dose. And uh, there are uh, several others beyond those uh, which have been approved. Um, they are in clinical studies, some early clinical trials, others in late uh, clinical studies as well. And, and this uh, uh, impacted um, an increase in demand on the capacity for sterile injectable formats. Another trend uh, I can speak about is uh, what we see uh, uh, is the uh, increase in the growth of monoclonal antibodies, the MABs market. More than 100 MABs are approved already and are on the market and uh, more than a thousand candidates are in development. This certainly will result in a significant increase in sterile injectable dosage form uh, capability and capacity that would be required in the industry in the coming years. Next up, Brad reveals his thoughts on dosage form trends, particularly from the standpoint of the drug product supply chain, which is becoming more intricate. So a major trend is the increasing risk and complexity of the drug product supply chain. Uh, the fallout from the pandemic, as you know, and as well as other geopolitical dynamics, uh, they will continue to impact the reliable supply of the many elements critical to finishing and dispensing drugs to our patients. Uh, managing the longer lead times necessary for obtaining uh, some of the critical excipients, primary packaging components, for example, those will continue to challenge contract manufacturers and have the potential to impact market timelines. Finally, Ali gives a thorough view of changes from various stages and points to some of the biggest changes impacting dosage form and shape. Interesting in terms of looking at uh, the overall market and the trend, you could look at from the earliest stage discovery uh, and uh, some of the new chemical entities, the way they make their way to the market has, has changed. That has been, of course, uh, optimized and enhanced, accelerated, whatever you want to name it, the use of uh, AI and machine learning to have that early stage discovery of uh, new chemical entities, new drugs. These drugs, of course, are because of the use of AI, are more potent. And as a result, also, they're more specific 
to certain uh, treatments, certain areas that we considered as undruggable because uh, of drugs cannot get to those sites and elicit an action. Now with the, in, uh, with the use of AI and uh, computer powering and computing, we can actually access those. So these APIs are coming in there, they have certain sensitivities, either sensitivities in terms of their stability or the challenge of solubility because they are matching the receptors better, the site of action better, therefore the chemistry are not easy to deal with. At the same time, they're very potent. So those uh, aspects of the new chemical entities put a new requirement or new consideration when we're considering the dosage form, both from if, you are, if the solubility, for example, is low, is poor, we need to increase the solubility of the API. Uh, and when we increase the solubility of API, no matter what technique that we use, we have to use some polymers, some other materials in the formulation. Therefore, the dosage size become bigger. And uh, therefore, the shape of the dosage form and the consideration of both from manufacturing as well as the patient centricity become, become a challenge. So these are some of the changes that we see. But at the same time, in terms of those drugs that, again, using an example of solubility being a challenge, if the solubility is poor because the drug most stable form is a crystalline form, therefore the drug wants to convert back to a crystalline form. That's the most stable. Therefore, the drug that has been, in, the, the drug that the solubility has been enhanced becomes more unstable from the physical form. And uh, there are, again, approaches to make sure that the moisture doesn't get to the API because moisture makes the API more mobile and therefore recrystallize. So these are some of the challenges that we, we need to consider from the stability as well as the dosage form. These are the biggest challenges that I've seen affecting the dosage form uh, design and the shape. At the same time, of course, in, on the positive side, because of availability of the data and because of the connectivity to the patients and the consumers, there are a lot of innovation, a lot of new trends to make the dosage form more suited for the, the consumers, for the patient, in terms of the size, in terms of the swallowability, in terms of the identification, in terms of the handling, these are some of the things that in the past, we had one size fits all. This is what is available. Nowadays, the voice of consumer, the voice of patient is much louder. And we could hear that and we can leverage that. This is actually a great uh, opportunity to recruit the consumers, the patients early development and understand how they take their medications and incorporate some of those learning into the design of the dosage form. As was highlighted in the responses to the first question, patient centricity is a major consideration for drug developers and has been driving innovation in drug dosage forms over recent years. The panel examined this topic in greater detail, highlighting the continued growth of this trend and what sort of developments we may expect to see coming up. First up will be Anita and Yandev, who believe that patient centricity is leading to big shifts in dosage form development priorities. 
um you know well patient centricity is one of my favorite trend and one of my favorite topics to talk about actually uh, because you know patient centricity has uh, influenced the pharma industry and i believe it will continue to grow uh, and it is one of the leading trends which is leading to the big shifts in the priorities which are there in the development process for developing the dosage forms uh when we talk about patient centricity uh, the trend which is fueling the focus of the developing uh, dosage forms and this has to be accomplished uh, while maintaining the optimum therapeutic efficacy as well as the safety of the product and if i have to tell you about the ideal patient uh, friendly or patient centric dosage form then obviously it has to be very easy to swallow it has to be non invasive you know unlike injectables which are invasive uh, and which certain patients do not prefer of course when it comes to pediatric uh, patients you know they don't prefer a strong pungent odor and taste to consume their medicines so that has to be one of the factor for a, a ideal patient friendly dosage form apart from this a dosage form which is easier to recall which is easier to identify uh should also be one of the aspect of a uh, ideal dosage form and uh, the last but not the least uh, the packaging material also plays a very important role uh, because the patient has to uh, you know carry it handle it open it and consume the dosage form so even that plays a very important role in being a, uh, an ideal dosage form or an ideal patient friendly dosage form so all in all you know uh, from selection of the excipient selection of the dosage form uh, from the appearance packaging every step has to be considered while developing uh, a, pa a patient friendly dosage form yeah would you like to add dr but on this yeah yeah i fully agree and uh, it is uh, even uh, i fully endorse and it is also uh, you know my favorite uh, subject or point Uh, because whatever we do ultimately it has to uh, be consumed by the patient and then patient should always uh, get a ease of handling and ease of uh, taking that because that is the important thing uh, because ultimately you know um, uh, it has to be a patient centric uh, development so that patient can uh, easily handle easily use and usually consume uh so that the effectiveness is there otherwise you know if it is uh, for the sake of uh, you know uh, development and then patient is not uh, 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 you know uh, what we call uh, not uh, convinced with the dosage form uh, it it become difficult for them to uh, uh, even uh, consume that or swallow that or to use for whatever the you know various application Following on, Ali gives us his expert opinion on the matter, pointing to the importance of getting the patient involved in the design process. Patients are the important part of uh, of uh, the design of a dosage form. But if I look back to my many years ago when I was a pharmacist, we always look at it from our perspective, our formulator's perspective. We want to make sure the the api the drug itself is safely delivered and uh, in a, in a format no matter what format and uh, consistently delivered 
And I mentioned before, we take an average, we say it should apply to all. Uh, and over the years, of course, we started looking from the age appropriateness of the dosage form. Uh, we have the elderly, which have some challenges in terms of identification of the dosage form, a potential medication error, handling of the API, swallowability. And on the other end of this spectrum, we have children who are not really just many adults. They have a different body weight and different physiology and need to understand and have dosages which are suitable for them. Again, both from sort of administration and swallowability and, and so on and so forth, but at the same time from the actual formulation and, 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 and the, the dosages. So keeping those in mind, uh, these trends, of course, over the years has led to uh, the, the idea of when we're designing the dosage form, we should keep the patient, we should keep the consumers actually in the loop. It's not just a matter of we think on their behalf, actually involve them, uh, getting them involved and uh, testing the, the ideas, testing the possibilities before designing those. One of the biggest areas, and we see that it's still as a big challenge uh, around the globe, is a lot of tablets look just white. The round and white, for example. Um, of course, if I have, I don't know, uh, taking four or five different medications per day, uh, and I'm supposed to take some of them at night because I want to sleep, some of them I want to take in the morning uh, for my cardiovascular system, if they look very similar, and if I by mistake take those the other way around, I take my sleeping tablet in the morning, that's not good. So those are some of the areas that causes challenge in terms of the medication error. Uh, and therefore, there has been a lot of uh, move. It, it's not because of the novelty of the colors and availability of them. It's more of the use of them and making them appropriate for the functionalities that they have. So having a way of identifying your medicine uh, before taking it and having a, a way of distinguishing what indication and a lot of people they're not looking at the names it's difficult to even pronounce the name and read them and understand them even for the professionals in the field it, people relate to the color and shape so one area of course and increasing the trust of the consumers and patients around this area is to finding a way of identifying the dosage form not just by the color and shape but also the use of digital tools that we have, let's say by cell phone. If I can look at my tablet and if I have a tag, a marker in the coating of that tablet that would pop up some information about my API, one, it would tell me this is the real medicine. Uh, this is not a, a fake medicine or counterfeited. So that's really good. That builds my trust. Okay, I would like to take this. The second thing, it could link to additional information, uh, when to take it, uh, what is it for, if there's any side effects, I could again link that and uh, get additional information. By doing this, we're converting in a way or digitizing the tablet and making that tablet more of a smart medicine, linking the two together. So I see that again as a big opportunity in the market where we uh, fight back against the counterfeiters and uh, authenticate the, the formulations and the dosage form before taking them. And that could happen at different level. 
It could happen at, of course, pharmacies, in hospitals, at the distributors. But at the same time, in my mind, the, the biggest win will be when it's in the hands of the, the patients, the consumers. Next is Brad, who adds his thoughts on patient centricity, highlighting the criticality of dose compliance. Because oral solid dosage forms are preferred by both patients and payers, they'll continue to dominate drug development and payer schedules. However, despite the preferred capsule or tablet form, it's really not about the form, but more about dose compliance. Depending on the formulation and treatment course, orally administrating a drug to patients can become problematic and can even contribute to poor health outcomes. Individual dose size, as well as dose frequency, all have an impact on the patient centricity of an oral drug. Fortunately, formulation and manufacturing techniques such as amorphous solid dispersion, uh, multiple unit particle systems, mini tablets, and other systems are helping to make oral solid dose more patient-centric than ever. Anil is up next who reaffirms the link between patient-centric dosage form design, patient adherence, and ultimately therapeutic success. Patient centricity and uh, application of patient centricity has been uh, gaining importance uh, more in the last five to 10 years. Oral solid dose forms continue to lead the market as preferred dosage forms to aid uh, to add efficiencies and cost savings in the small molecule market. Uh, these are of course patient friendly as there is ease of uh, administration, ease of swallowing as compared to injectable dosage forms. And hence the patient centricity uh, and application of pa patient centric drug design and formulation design uh, has been applied to oral solid dose forms. Prescription drug medication adherence is a growing concern for the public health and poor adherence to therapy has been associated with poor health outcomes and higher cost for patients. Uh, it is well documented that uh, uh, the drugs uh, and the patient adherence uh, has been a problem. The drugs fail to work, not because they are not effective, but the patient adherence or compliance to these medications is poor. Uh, patients do not take the medications at the required or recommended frequency of dose and in the prescribed manner. And this results in poor adhe uh, adherence, poor compliance, and poor outcomes. Patient-centric formulation drug design will certainly uh, bring advantage of uh, having a better chances of success by increasing the patient compliance and patient adherence. Strategies for improving adherence need to be considered uh, in the drug dosage form design. In particular, for the geriatric patient population and pediatric population, as these have special needs and preferences that will improve patient uh, uh, compliance. The taste aspect of the drug, the swallowability aspect is of prime importance. 
especially in the geriatric uh, patient population, dysphagia or difficulty in swallowing is a huge problem. Uh, during the design of the drug dosage forms, it is very important to consider the size of the dosage form, the shape of the dosage form, and the swallowability of the target population. These are some of the aspects that are uh, very critical uh, considerations in the formulation design. Strategies such as taste masked, palatable dosage forms will improve patient compliance uh, in geriatric patients as well as in pediatric uh, patients as well. Now, let's hear from Hans Christian, who continues the discussion on how patient centricity can help to achieve greater therapeutic success by making dosage forms more user-friendly. Yeah, so I, I absolutely hope that patient centricity and, and product usability uh, remain and uh, you know even will grow as, 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 a, as a further focus. Um, so these topics are highly relevant for, for outcome of treatments for the patients to enable him, her to, to use a product appropriately and safely. And I, I think even historically, but also nowadays, uh, you can always see uh, pharmaceutical products in the market where maybe product use becomes an afterthought. And um, obviously the focus is pretty much on the active pharmaceutical ingredient and clinical outcome and you know safety in, in respect to you know, pharmacology, toxicology, and, 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 and clinical testing. Having said that, the uh, you know patient focus and uh, patient uh, usability will be the final interface to the user, um, and especially if a if a patient would him or herself use a drug, I think it it, it it's quite clear that I think the, the product must be designed in a way to minimize any potential misuse, and that you can also not just place your bet on a maybe quite lengthy instruction for use. Um, and so I think it, it has to um, it has to more closely connect to, to usability and, and things like what, what we are seeing right now, I think in the IT world, where a lot of focus is about uh, you know, intuitive handling and intuitive usability and user experience. Uh, I'm definitely hoping for that to play an even bigger role. And um, to advance that, that thought further, I think most patients would also be pretty much you know, uh, connected with um, his or her cell phone, smartphone. So I think, um, you know, maybe also connecting um, administration or compliance questions, uh, therapy monitoring, and moving to even things like telemedicines uh, will be also hopefully in even um, of, of even bigger importance going forward. Last to speak on the matter of patient centricity is Cornell. He elaborates on the messages being advocated by the Catalan Applied Drug Delivery Institute. Uh, yes, and I, I, I appreciate the question. Uh, this is something I'm personally very passionate about. Um, and uh, we uh, Catalan feel very strongly that almost every key decision made during the development of a drug from molecule design, formulation, dose form of device selection, and packaging can impact how well the therapy works in and for patients. Through, through Catalan's Applied Drug Delivery Institute, we have been advocating for an intentional patient-focused approach to these areas for now this year for 10 years. 
there are important signs of progress, but I think a substantial opportunity still remains to improve patient usability of both new and existing treatments. Uh, based on our discussions with physicians and payers, we believe that those companies who incorporate patient-focused thinking more effectively into drug product design and provide evidence of the resulting uh, benefits from clinical trials will increasingly be advantaged in the market and ultimately patients will benefit. Lastly, I asked the panel to provide their thoughts on the potential advent of novel excipients in relation to drug dosage forms, particularly in light of the recent launch of CEDA's novel excipient review pilot program. Starting us off on this topic is Anil with his thoughts on how novel excipients will help overcome some of the challenges faced with newer, more complex pipeline molecules. This is a great question. Uh, if we look uh, in the last five to 10 years, there has been significant advances in uh, polymer chemistry and emergence of novel excipients. And if we look at the class of excipients or uh, the application of these excipients, we see uh, these novel excipients have been tried and tested uh, to improve the solubility and permeability. So these are used as permeability enhancers to help uh, absorption uh, of these challenging molecules. Uh, we see surfactants, bioenhancers. Uh, this class of compounds impact uh, uh, the dosage form design and will improve its absorption uh, potential. Uh, we can deliver, uh, we can develop and deliver better targeted delivery mechanisms, either by oral dosage forms or even sterile injectable dosage forms as well. This enhancement in the chemistry and uh, development of newer excipients will help us uh, develop efficacious medicines um, uh, by uh, proving them in the clinical studies against a variety of uh, indications. And uh, this will result in bringing these uh, to a commercial success and bringing uh, a better medicines to uh, the patients. The improvement in the quality of excipients uh, uh, is another area. Uh, in, um, application of uh, techniques, technologies, and control criteria of these new excipients will help in much uh, sophisticated uh, excipients uh, that are functional in nature and have better applications. And the use of these novel excipients will improve the drug product design and to help uh, the pharmaceutical industry to bring better dosage forms to the market and to the patients. Following on, Brad adds that access to a greater number of pre-approved excipients can only be beneficial, while the shift of greater onus on compliance to the supplier will enable developers and manufacturers a greater freedom to focus on the formulation and process development. Well, with excipients playing such a critical role in OSD forms, access to well-characterized pre-approved excipients can only help bring new products to the market faster and more efficiently. Uh, not only must a proposed excipient demonstrate safety from a toxicological standpoint, 
but it also has to be tested to appropriate compendial specifications. And I would say equally as important, perhaps more important, are the material characterization aspects because it supports accurately choosing the grade of excipient from a larger set. Because the guidance shifts some of the compliance burden to suppliers, manufacturers can spend a lot less time validating excipients and more time on the formulation and process development. Next up are Anita and Yandev, who put forward their thoughts on the matter and what traits the ideal excipient should incorporate. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, always innovating uh, and moving forward with the different types of active ingredients and inactive ingredients. And not just that, you know, with processes and technologies for developing new dosage forms. And when we talk about excipients, uh, well, you know, every excipient plays a very important role in the formulation, uh, be it any dosage form. And at the same time, novel excipients can definitely, you know, improve the existing formulations. You know, they can help in fastening or speeding up the drug development process, you know, by presenting a lot of advantages. If I have to give you some examples of those advantages, I would say, you know, better solubility, uh, enhancing the drug bioavailability, uh, increasing the therapeutic efficacy of the formulation or the drug, as well as increasing the absorption rate. And with this, each excipient acts as an ingredient, which is very important in the drug development process. And if I have to tell, tell you about the ideal excipient, Obviously, they have to be non-toxic and they have to be compatible with every ingredient that is present in the formulation uh, as well as the active ingredient that is a drug molecule. Uh, you know, uh, with this advent of novel, tech, novel excipients, I think, you know, it will possibly lessen the burden of various other excipients, uh, you know, which perhaps could uh, also decrease the risk of multiple interactions. So I feel that one novel uh, excipient can replace, you know, multiple excipients which are present already in the formulation. Yeah, Doctor, but uh, do you agree with this? Yeah, I think uh, you are absolutely right in terms of uh, you know uh, saying that excipient plays very important role, and at the same time, uh, advent of novel excipients. Uh, is a blessing for the formulation development uh, scientist, uh, where in which, you know, it is out the development time uh, the and also in increasing the efficacy and quality of the product. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, whenever we talk about this, uh, capsules as a vehicle for drug delivery play a very important role in dosage form and are also considered as a very critical excipient. Uh, the introduction of uh, cellulose-based uh, hypromellose capsules, uh, you know, uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, alternative to gelatin capsules, a vegetarian option, uh, which offers better stability and efficacy to the products because of the various advantages which is offered by, uh, you know, uh, this kind of uh, hypromellose capsules. Uh, other excipients, uh, which, you know, also important is like surfactants, uh, solvents, uh, you know, and uh, solubilizing agents, tonicity modifiers, 
uh, emulsifiers, advent of super disintegrants, uh, you know, all these are uh, plays very important role uh, in addition, you know, absorption enhancers, whenever we talk about, uh, you know, insoluble uh, molecules, uh, because nowadays most of the new uh, molecules which are being introduced are overly soluble. So, uh, you know, uh, the high-end absorption enhancers can definitely help increasing the solubility and also thereby, uh, you know, absorption and bioavailability. Now, Cornell has his thoughts on the benefits that novel excipients may have for drug dosage forms in the future. There, there clearly has been a lot of innovation in functional ex the, the area of functional excipients to improve uh, formulation and dose form performance. Um, and any steps that the FDA and other regulators might take to enhance the availability, accessibility, and use of those functional excipients would definitely be potentially beneficial for future formulation activity. Ali continues the discussion by raising the point that the innovation in the area of excipients has been stifled in the past due to the time it takes to get approval. And so this new program from CEDA should help in this area. Uh, excipient, uh, even though I am a pharmacist and of course I have an interest in the finished dosage form, but I've spent a lot of time researching and developing excipients for the, for the industry. And uh, excipients sometimes are uh, uh, in a way not underestimated, but is, is forgotten in a way because we focus so much about the API, which elicits a pharmacological effect. But a lot of those APIs, they do their job because of the excipient. And if you look at today's market, every company uh, have a list of approved uh, excipient that they use. Those approved excipients, uh, they're approved for various reasons. Uh, one of them is because they have experience and they know how to deal with it. If they have some challenges, they know the advantages, disadvantages, the restrictions. So therefore, they leverage, leverage that, which is, which is great. But on the other hand, another area for it is approved list of excipients or ingredients because of the regulatory implication. If there is an ingredient going into the regulatory for regulatory uh, review and approval, which is not known, which hasn't got the precedence of use, therefore there is a potential for regulators to ask about the safety and efficacy and, and uh, the, the toxicology and other information related to that excipient. And that would cause some delay. And therefore it causes a delay on the review and approval of the finished dosage form. And every day delay on a new product coming to the market is uh, a lot of cost to, to the sponsor of that uh, uh, dosage form. So therefore, I think having this uh, novel excipient uh, approach that uh, CEDA has put together, it would definitely improve that situation because it gives an opportunity now for companies to give some of the excipient for the regulators. And of course, it started in FDA, they started in, in, in US. Um, the US FDA. So they look at that, they review that. And if they have no comment, the fact that they reviewed it later on, if a, a company, a pharmaceutical company, put that novel excipient into the dosage form and submit it, 
at least FDA is familiar with it. They understand about it and the process, the approval process of the finished dosage form become much quicker. That of course opens the door because we have as excipient suppliers and excipient uh, manufacturers, there has been some hesitation of innovating in this area because we know by the time you spend uh, getting approval uh, of an excipient to get into the market together with the dosage form, it takes a long time and it costs a lot of money. And therefore some companies have been holding back of uh, innovating. So hopefully this paves the way. And there are some really uh, opportunities, real opportunities in here uh, to not only bring new functionalities to, to address some of the challenges of the APIs that I mentioned before uh, and deal with those from a stability, solubilization uh, and, and so on. But at the same time, from the manufacturing point of view, uh, because of course uh, we, we need to look at the both end of the spectrum. One is from the API treatment and handling, the other one is from the manufacturing, uh, the, the productivity of our manufacturing, keeping the cost low and reliable, reliability of the manufacturing and reliability of supply of those ingredients that uh, comes into the, into the market. So these are some of the, uh, the, the challenges that we can overcome much quicker and we bring more uh, solutions in, into the market. So I really welcome this approach. Uh, of course, it's still a pilot program. Uh, we are hoping that uh, we get some of these examples gone through and uh, we develop a continuous, continuous process of uh, uh, getting new novel excipients in front of the regulators so they get some confidence with them. They ask their questions ahead of the time. So when we put them, when pharmaceutical companies put them together with their API in a formulation and submit that, then they, that would accelerate the, the process and approval. Hans Christian is our last expert to talk on this matter. And although he does welcome activities aimed at advancing the innovation space and novel excipients, he also believes there is a key question to ask of why are novel excipients required? Here he is to discuss these points further. Uh, the use of excipients in pharmaceutical products is pretty pretty traditional. So um, as a pharmaceutical developer and or pharmaceutical manufacturer, you wanna use excipients which are proven and known, where you have uh, a good understanding about how they work, how they interact with any of, of the other components. On, on um, and then you also want want to only include them if they're really needed in the final product. Um, and the whole topic of prior use is really also going back to a lot of uh, you know both safety and regulatory concerns for that that may exist for novel excipients. So I think as a matter of fact the the the, the, the amount of different excipients uh, that you can use in, in serif formulation is very limited. So I highly welcome. Um, any pilot programs uh, and activities that are really, you know, trying to advance um, the innovation space and, and pharmaceutical sciences and enabling uh, novel excipients. Having said that, I think the key question to ask is for which purpose uh, a novel excipient is required or and also in which use cases you need a novel excipient where maybe a traditional excipient has not been uh, working, you know, sufficiently or appropriately. And um, obviously with novel excipients, it's also pretty important to then understand also their, 
you know, potential shortcomings, impact on patient safety, on uh, potential interactions that may exist. And whilst I think there may be some, some use cases, for example, um, you know, polysorbates are tricky uh, excipients uh, and they may degrade and may create a whole range of, you know, in compliance or stability issues and what have you. I mean, the question is really if, if these challenges would be overcome um, by a given novel excipients or if you're just creating other issues. Um, so um, it's, I think it's pretty important to, to understand um, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And um, in addition, I think if a, a driver for a novel excipients is maybe also only uh, for intellectual property reasons, uh, this may be not the most, um, you know, patient um, motivated kind of drive. I would like to thank the panel of experts who took the time to discuss the topic of drug dosage form trends with me. This discussion forms part of a larger sequence of content. So if you are interested in the talking points that were raised, please do keep your eyes and ears peeled for more on this topic. I would also like to bring to your attention the cover story for our March print issues of Pharmaceutical Technology and Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, where the panel of experts broached the technological advances that have helped the evolution of dosage forms over the years. Thanks for listening. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insight. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our newsletters. When you sign up for our e-newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars, and hear about episodes of Drug Digest, which is a video series. Thank you to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. We will see you next time.